0: Welcome to the b and Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry, entirely uncut and unscripted.
1: Welcome back everybody for the first of its kind on the B and E podcast. We have a part two episode with mulk mulk M- <laughs> <laughs> with, with mulk. With milk will hurt. With milk will hurt.
2: With milk. I am quite pale. I am quite pale. <laughs> We're off to a great Milky start bird. That was my nickname when I was younger. All right. That's
3: his name on the streets.
2: They call me the Milky Ginger That's what they call it <laughs> The Milky Ginger? Yeah uh, that should be a good name for a beer I like it
1: Yeah, it would be yeah. Or cocktail. It would be, yeah. it would be a cocktail Yeah, Milky Ginger So what would be like a ginger stout or something Or a ginger porter Yeah Yeah I mean, and Straight away we're talking about a beer Straight away shot a milk
0: in it, you know Just to give
1: it a cloudy um, feel but anyway, to get this ra- this back on the rails here, we have Mark Mulhern, artist and illustrator, back on the show to continue the talk that we just kind of felt didn't reach yep. its full conclusion. Um, and the last one uh, that we did, we entitled uh, The Transition Stages of an Evolving Artist. So we're going to be continuing off of that about when we find ourselves in these different places becoming um, maturing in our processes and our perceptions about what we're doing, about our art, um, how we move forward, especially when shit gets tough sometimes when, uh, when you're really seriously questioning what the hell it is that you're doing, Mm -hmm, (laughs) uh, and, uh, and finding, I think, some of the silver lining to some of that. I think were, we're getting into some of that and also, uh, a slap in the face and a hot bath as has been a thing that we talked about recently. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually
0: on on podcast a hundred with Cat
1: with Cat and uh, Owen.
0: Yeah, and we kind yeah. of brought that up I think last one too. But uh, the whole idea is that like you know sometimes you need a little love, sometimes you need a little kick in the ass. So we were thinking we put together a book called A Slap in the Face and a Warm <laughs> out. <laughs> a little bit of both. You yeah. know, I like it. <laughs> You'd almost buy it just because the title's like, oh, a little fun fact for the audience is our, th- we just did our hundredth the other day. Last one with Milky here was, uh, 101. Was oh, not that better not <laughs> Don't worry, I already have a friend we actually call Milky, so it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so last one was 101 and then qu- coincidentally... Um, uh, we're, we're, we're to be continued as 102. So it's kind of
1: yeah. funny how that all works. 101 from. is part one, 102 is part two. Pretty yep. easy to keep track. Of. Yeah. Ain't that fun? <laughs> I, don't uh, know. And I that also seemed important to me. <laughs> and before we get into it, I just want to, uh, to present Mark, it was your birthday yesterday. It was. And uh, this is for you, sir. Ah, sweet, this is thank you. a little growler from, uh, nice. from Steel and Oak, and that is the um, dry-hopped ESB. Nice All's for Thanks, you. nice yeah.
2: yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. Man, <laughs> the easiest present ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually got a growler from one of my friends yesterday as well, so I have two
0: growlers at home now. Yeah, Perfect. Well, you know
1: what? The thing is, is <laughs> I, as I've learned you can almost never have too many growlers no nope. i'm collecting them
0: they keep giving to me every time i go grab a beer So <laughs> yeah. like you guys got a podcast here we'll give you a growler i thought <laughs> it was the
2: coolest concept ever i, yeah. like. I like them yeah, yeah. They're cool. yeah thank you very much yeah you're welcome you're welcome so yeah it was my birthday yesterday uh 27 yeah. 27 did you get crazy no I, I had a very quiet one actually i had a few drinks at work afterwards yeah uh, Ao for me for me with a couple of a uh, couple of cocktails, a couple of very very cheap cocktails, <laughs> and I was a lot more drunk than I thought I was when I left because a couple of people said that they were sitting beside me and I don't remember it at all. So maybe I did have crazy when I don't. <laughs> but yeah, twenty twenty seven is uh, it. It was it was weird. It was I liked it. I liked turning twenty seven. When I turned twenty six, I didn't like it. and turned twenty seven. I actually kind of like it. I don't know what it
0: is yeah I don't it's, know, it's funny funny how certain ages you know you just feel like you gotta get your shit together at a certain age, so yeah, yeah a little bit yeah or different i don't know diff I remember like just different ideas I had where I was supposed to be somewhere at a certain age in my life, and like you're kind of rounding up to that <laughs> year and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like, so it can be a little bit of a weird year that way, yeah I gotten yeah. that i was yeah. I was joking with the lads that
2: I, if for some reason I ever get famous, I can't do it when i'm twenty seven it's a it's a dead sentence. The oh, oh yeah, club. The whole, the if, if I'm yeah. starting to get famous I have to wait till I'm 28 put it off
0: the TV. <laughs> and then Hello. I'm safe I'm golden <laughs> so uh, anything uh, anything stick with you since the last time we talked or do you forget everything with an
2: alcoholic mm, not at all um, yeah I, I think I touched on on like how I decided at the end of my college my college uh, four year degree my graphic design degree that I like, decided I kind of liked animation more than graphic design
3: mm.
2: um and I was saying to Evan about the, the stop motion that I did like I touched on it but that was a that was a two or three week like grueling <laughs> grueling project that I loved every minute of mm. yeah. it yeah it was like I was yeah, up all night you
0: focused it. on the one thing
2: yeah. yeah oh man I was so focused I was so into it so yeah I got my brother who was a fabricator to weld that big frame and then uh, I got my friend to roll around on, on the ground for like three hours and then <laughs> it took me it literally took me two weeks like night and day animating over it Mm. And the animation was crude too. It wasn't. It wasn't the best. Yeah, there's no real schooling in it. But I loved it. Yeah. And my lecturer to the point where my lecturers were like, "You gotta like put something. You know, do other things. You can't like just focus on this." But I did. <laughs> you know. So that's kind of when I when I decided to go to Vancouver. It's because the animation industry is big here. Yeah. Um. But
1: I have kind of lost my way a bit. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So yeah, the thing I loved about <clears throat> that that project that you that you did was just like you were telling me about had your brother like weld this like 10 foot tall frame for you to like suspend like a camera perfectly vertically down and it just got gave me like a little like artist heart on of (laughs) sorts where I was just like whoa that's crazy (laughs) I'm just like picturing this thing like suspended (laughs) up in the air and you being like extraordinarily eccentric or something (laughs) like that and (laughs) it's funny man I had a I had like a a storyboard that
2: thick and I went went like I went by every page like meticulously I was you have to lie here you have to lie here I even like did the storyboard I took about a week to do the storyboard alone because I knew that my friend Dara like is a busy guy and I didn't want to screw him around it took like yeah. three hours if I didn't have a storyboard I would have been completely off you know yeah um, Yeah. but actually getting the paper was a funny story so the paper was like probably the size I don't know people obviously can't see your apartment now but the, it was probably the size of the whole apartment the floor mm. that's how big the, the roll of paper was Yeah. and uh, I obviously didn't know where to get it so we have a printmaking class and the lecturer is crazy absolutely mentally he doesn't care about anything budget doesn't come into mind so I went into him and I said I need a big roll of paper and he he literally said don't tell anyone like put his fingers to his lips took out these two massive rolls and he goes don't tell anyone but you can tell people afterwards whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know what they say it's (laughs) it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission (laughs) totally yeah Indie so
0: filmmaking,
1: yeah.
2: Making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, I haven't done anything with animation since. Really, I've done a bit, but not a
1: lot. You like not um, even like a, like one of like those little post-it note thingies, or. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love those. Yeah, I, 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 I've done plenty of those. They're usually x rated too. They're
2: never. <laughs> I gotta get you to help me with my stop motion movie. I'd love to, man. Stop motion's really interesting. Um, yeah. You've seen Kubo, haven't you? And yeah. Ah, oh, it's incredible!
1: Incredible movie. Yeah. No, Kubo was yeah. really blew my mind, not just for its, um, extraordinary animation style and, and the way that they crafted that, but the story, Yeah, I just love the story. It was, it was dark and like so full of melancholy, Yeah, but so full of like beautiful messages at the same time. Like it was like some of the stuff in that f- flick was just, Oh, amazing! Hard, man. Like <laughs> it's something that
2: CGI couldn't can't replicate. That's why stop motion is is never going to die out. Yeah, CGI just can't replicate that realness. Mm. You know, yeah, you, you can see it the second you start watching it. That there's something different about it. Yeah, yeah. there's something
1: actual and physical reality. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's yeah. like when you see like a, an action scene in a car. Like when they do a visual effects, it's one thing. But when they actually launch a car off like a jump and you see it hit and just the natural kind of collision. The like, folding of the like, movie. Yeah. 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 You just
1: can't. It's there. just intense. Not, I remember yeah. I saw, um, like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly good movie, um, but the Need for Speed movie. Yeah. Um, like, the story. They made a movie on a Need for Speed? <laughs> they did, with Aaron Paul. Oh, yes. Yeah, I haven't seen of, it. Of <laughs> uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, really? Uh, and the story is, like, kind of absurd. Really absurd. Not kind of absurd. It's really <laughs> absurd. But, you know, that's always been sort of storylines and need for speed. But, um, the director, I liked how he handled action. Cause he did another movie. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, he had shown his ability to do action quite yeah. well to me. Uh, and I knew that in the Need for Speed movie, while he was directing it, it was all about, he said, we did as much of it as real as we could. Mm. Like, we literally took supercars, and we sped them as fast as we could, (laughs) like, while shooting, like, as was pretty much safe for us to do. Yeah. And there was minimal CGI. And some of the stuff that happens in it, like... They do crazy stuff yeah. in there and like cars flipping and stuff. And, and it was like, that was real. Mm. Like they actually took something and just like launched it into the air or they actually just drove at That's these cool. insane speeds. Yeah. And yeah, it's tangible.
0: Yeah. yeah. It really makes those kind of movies a lot more appealing. I mean, just to see what they did with it, you know, is, is more fascinating. It makes them
2: timeless yeah. too, because, yeah. uh, cause no matter when you watch it, look at Jaws. Yeah. If you look at Jaws, it still looks amazing. Because mm-hmm. they use an animatronic uh, shark. Yeah. And, yeah. It, like, beautifully modeled. It looks like a real shark. Yeah. So it's not good. It's going to hold up in 50
1: years' time. So It's going to look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. That's one that I remember watching that for the first time in, like, Blu-ray, like, restored and everything. And I just went, I, I was in shock at how good it's still... When was that made? Is that... 19, I want to say it was like 69. Oh my God. Like yeah. it was, it, it predated Star Wars. Wow. And like there are shots that of it, of just like these ships floating out in space and, and <laughs> it's like, it's, it does, it aged so well. Yeah. Yeah. Aged so well.
0: Well, there's something about just, you know, getting, I like, that's what I like about filmmaking is I actually like getting down there and actually doing it. You know, when I actually, I was making, um, so when I was in high school, I changed from the architecture program over to this filmmaking program. Okay. And it was a directing program. It wasn't really filmmaking necessarily, but you had to basically pitch your projects. It's actually like the most closest to real, like real life actually is in this industry. But I pitched five projects. And one of my projects was this, like, um, basically it was like a, it wasn't really a war movie. It was kind of like commando or something like, you know, just basically, a group of guys who were off in the, like during a wartime scenario, right? And um, we needed an explosion to go off, so I took like amarous and like if you pounded them, like if it's a what sorry amarou. So it's like a, oh, it like looks a- like a little red stick of dynamite. Okay, it basically is, and it has a wick <laughs> in it, and the and the, and the gunpowder is super hard all the way through. Right. So what it does is when you light it. The gunpowder is like so hard, it takes time for the oxygen to go all the way down and burn the thing so it goes, so it goes and it does this like really loud noise, right? Right, you pound it, it turns all the gunpowder into like this really loose powder. So the moment the spark comes down, it all ignites it like immediately, right? So it just goes boom and it blows up. So we've done it before. Where did you, I was gonna say, where did you learn that? (laughs) Halloween, of course, yeah. So we've done it before. (laughs) And then the first time we were rolling the first one, we were like, okay, so I'm like directing all my friends, we're all like 16 years old, I'm like, okay, everybody, so when the hammer goes, or when it, when it explodes, everybody act like, you know, there's this big explosion, but... It blew up next to us, and we like it was like this. Goes against every like safe practice ever, but it blew up next to us, and it was so loud that all our ears were ringing. And we were all just like, like when it went off, we're like, oh. like It all looked like we actually had a bomb go off. Like, That's so good, man. Their response to that <laughs> yeah. explosion was yeah. so incredible. Yeah. Such
2: such beautiful acting.
0: Yeah. One other really funny thing about that: we had this one guy, and he just wanted to do stunts all the time. So we did a bunch of things where he get shot and he'd fall over. Right. And so we shot it a bunch of times until we got the fall real. And we looked at playback later. And when he hit the ground on one of them, there was like a stick or a twig or something that must've been like kind of f- in a funny way. And it, it kind of goes like this, like back through <laughs> frame, you know, but like, it's like the only like stuff, weird stuff would happen when you'd actually shoot the actual thing. Yeah. Know? But it was kind of funny. Right. Anyway, <laughs> 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 just a couple filmmaking stories. That there was. Oh yeah but I don't know. I think it relates to tran transition as an artist, you know, like when you start out, I think that's, it's so important to just go out there and try this stuff. And like, you know, I think if you don't, if you only ever do visual effects, you don't get that real world interaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Man, that was a great transition, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I can say the
0: thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, man. So, so what's your plan? Now you're 27. What are you going to do? besides um, become famous obviously <laughs> I have a year to do that
2: yeah. I'm not going to take any risks yeah like, <laughs> no risks going to keep my head low right, down, like right. below the radar for a year <laughs> and then 28 it's my year
3: <laughs> um,
2: yeah but like I said in the last one I, I, I'm i going to get permanent residency hopefully and then kick myself into gear big time right. um, but finding time to do it's a, because like, I do still need to start like i am I'm, I'm pretty well studied in animation i know a lot about it i uh, don't have a degree to show but i do have a lot of the skills i know a lot of the programs um so like making myself do it is the is the hard part mm-hmm. you know because i'm so busy at work yeah uh, to get permanent residency <laughs> you know so it's kind of a catch 22. I, I, I want, I want to, I want to do it, but I also find it very, very difficult to get time to do it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, it's the tough thing. I mean, doing a job and keeping your, your, your dreams and your goals, like, you know, like right now I moved into this new year and we we've been <clears throat> kind of in this soft launch with my, my school because I transitioned from this old model into this new one and it hasn't quite launched yet. So I haven't really, experience the benefit, like I've kind of been in a little bit of a valley with it because I was kind of getting certain income, but then to kind of make the transition, we're not doing it the same way. So I'm waiting for this income to come in. And I've been finding there's like this little period I'm experiencing where it's like, oh, I don't have as much money as I normally have, you know. And last year, I decided I'm going to turn down these writing projects. And I just got called like today to be like, hey, we got a writing project for you. And it's like, and it's like, I'm really struggling because right now I'm like, well, there's a lot of good things and I could get some money like right up front. But like at the same time, I'm like, I said I would say no to these writing jobs, but it's tough because it's like, I still want to make sure that I can kind of like, you know, have the, have the life and make the money. But it's like, you know, there's a certain kind of point where you're like, you see, you know, when you're an artist Sometimes you'll feast or famine. You'll see your money just going down.
3: <laughs> and yeah.
0: you're waiting for that next paycheck to come in, and you're kind of like, okay, well, I have about this much time, kind of living at the rate that I'm living. If I like start like eating, like you know, if I start eating like maybe uh, not out as much and like cutting corners and maybe not going out as much, maybe I can extend this a little bit longer. Yeah, but like that's that's like a reality if you want to be like a full time artist. Because like I think we all think of like entourage, and we're like, oh yeah, just throw money at it like no problem but like, <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah, like, man, yeah. For like a real like life artist who's not famous yet because you know they're not 28 yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have to, we we have to figure out a way to pay the bills and it's and funny to keep the life right yeah
2: definitely man uh that just reminded me there of um like Evan loves this guy Alan Watts oh yeah yeah so yeah. He, he's got he's got a thing he's got a video of what would you do if money was no object yeah um and it's really, really good, like it's only, from what I've heard anyway, obviously he's got, it's a longer speech than what I heard, but it's like a three minute uh, YouTube video and it's really good, like, uh, like I'd recommend showing it to any 18, 19 year old that doesn't know what they want to do for mm. college or, but uh, his whole thing is that no matter what it is, no matter what it is, if you're good at it, you'll find a way to make money at it, mm. no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, and that's what he touches on in the video. Yeah, just hard to get to that stage, though. You have to have a lot of resilience.
1: Well, you know, and I think it takes. I think the, one of the big things is it takes a lot of trust in yourself. You know, you have to have faith in yourself. Yeah. To a degree, to. Oh yeah, big time. To do it, you know, um, I think that the that there's a lot of external fears that we that we allow to distract us, that we allow to uh, make as sort of an an excuse mm-hmm. as to not do things. Right. You raise
0: such a good point. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really what I'm facing right now because like it's, I mean, I'll get by, it's not like I won't get by, but there's certain things like, like I never really could imagine it when, before I would get work, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, Oh, just give me work. If I could get any work, if I can book any job, you know, or I get paid to do what I love, I'll take it. But then you get to a point where you start kind of doing that. And it's like, there's just certain things you realize you can't do. Like it's not even that you don't have money. It's just that you don't have enough money to like, to do some things. Like for example, I really want to go to Europe. That's like a really important goal to me. You know, like my life isn't just being a filmmaker. I mean, it's my yeah. passion, but there's things I want to do in my life. And so there's a part of me too, which is like, yeah, there's living, like I can take care of that. But then there's also my goals, which are going to require some money. They going to require some yeah. planning. So right. there's this part of me too, which is like, you know, if you can get some money, and you're doing what you love, then take that money. You know what I mean? But there's this other part of me, it's like, take the risk, don't take the money, you know, put it into this. But you know, the other thing too, is you take the risk, you might end up, um, I think we always like to think of like, Oh yeah, take the risk. Like you should always take the risk, but it's like the risk doesn't always work out. And when you've, when you've experienced both sides of it, which I've had it work out and I've had it not work out. You start to think about your choices because sometimes like, I'd like to always be the risk taker like I want to be that kind of guy but then there's also this part of me it's like do I want to be a risk taker more than I want to do certain things in my life like I do want to travel to Europe I do want to do these things so
1: you know what I mean yeah you know, I think that sometimes it has to we were talking about this earlier about like the goal itself that you're, that you're setting up. Like, because I, this is something that was just going through me today. Like a lot of, I I just had some things like just really starting to like land with me today. Yeah. Um, a lot of ideas and concepts just kind of coming together and clicking into place. And you know, so yeah. Oh, Oh, it's, it's just the best. Um, and it was, not necessarily something that I haven't come across before, but it just all made so much sense all of a sudden. And I felt it kind of take hold of me. Yeah. And is this whole thing of and and I was talking to Brandon about this and like, you know, let's say it's somebody wants to get into shape. You know, like they're they're they've got a picture of some jacked up dude or some super toned up like woman. <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, I want to, I want to do that. And right. It's like, I want to get into that kind of shape. And, but the problem is, is that, oh, well, I hate going to the gym. Now for you to get to that thing that you, that you say that you want is going to require you to go to the gym. Why would you choose a goal that that requires a bunch of time doing something that you can't stand doing, or at the very least you just find very mundane, yeah. Like you're going to be spending hours and days of your life, weeks, yeah. months, trying to do this thing. I mean, that's not some people. Some people love going to the gym. Yeah, but I think most people, I the guarantee, the majority, really, majority like, don't. I guarantee the yeah. vast majority, majority don't. Of people don't. So yeah. it's not that it's a bad thing to want to have fitness in your life, to be healthy and whatever. It's like, but find something physical that you do enjoy doing. And you will probably end up getting the body that you actually truly want. Because the thing is, is that if you hate go- doing the thing that it's going to require for you to get to that thing, <laughs> yeah. then you should question the goal. Yeah. yeah you should Question why you even want that thing, because chances are it's completely superficial. It's complete it's complete nonsense, it's complete plans. bullshit. Like it's just, it's something you like the idea of something. Yep. Right. But if what it's going to take to get you there is something, which is why it's like, I think you need to actually imagine yourself doing this thing, you know, actually really sit. It's like, okay, yeah. what, it, what do I think it's going to take? All right. Now imagine you doing that regularly, doing this thing like yeah. every single day or every other day or, or, you know, imagine putting yourself <clears throat> through that for a second. Yeah. And how does that make you feel right? Like does, do, do you just, does it just make cringe you cr- yeah, you cringe at <laughs> the thought of it? Well then just rethink it. You know, maybe you'll find something, maybe rock climbing is something that you're like, yeah, I love that. You, I love you can rock, can rock get climbing. Ripped from rock climbing. Yeah. You can get <laughs> ripped in a way like, yeah, you might can not get that sort of like yeah. jacked body, but why, again, maybe that's not actually the body you really want. You like the idea of what you thought that what you think that body will give you. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's like it's and again, this is we've talked about this a lot on the show is this whole thing of being externally motivated, right? Being motivated by external things, by um, material things, by even the body, I would say, is a materialistic thing or aesthetically. Mm -hmm. Right. We we try to attain these things. And none of them are going to deliver any kind of an actual reward to you, at least not a long lasting one, which is why it's like the goal should always be about, you know, creating an experience that you want. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's kind of the big picture thinking, you know, like, if you go, like, I want to get the body so I can get the girl or the guy, then you go, well, I got the guy now what's going to end up happening is something else is just going to fill that in. So now you're going to want something else to get. And what ends up happening is I think what people create all these things where they have to maintain that they hate and then they can't keep up with it. You know, when you see people get into these relationships and then they just start putting on weight and they start like not really, you know, and they're not the same person that they, they used as the way to attract the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all this short term, immediate gratification type of goal setting, you know, but I think, um, external motivations kind of, if you, if you only have them, that's what they lead to. I think, you you know, you need an internal motivation. And I think like the other thing too, is you're saying, like working out might be uncomfortable, but if you know why you're working out, working out can actually be enjoyable. Like Mm -hmm. my friend and I, we were working out for a bit and and he would always leave early and I would just keep going. And he said to me, like, why do you keep going? And I, I mean, and actually a lot of people were asking me like, why do you, why are you doing it so much? And for me, I looked at it as like, I have this image. I have this idea of who I can be, you know? And, and it wasn't even because that will get me this thing. It's just like, I can be this. Like, I remember I had this point in my life where I thought, you know, you, you, if you go your whole life and you never see what you could do here, then, then you'll, you you might always look back and say like, man, I never really gave that a shot. Yeah. And so yeah. while I was working out and doing sit-ups and just kind of keep going or running, you know, three times as long as anybody else, I would just be like, yeah, but this is getting me closer and closer to this thing. And like, since then, my goal has evolved and changed a bit, but I'm really glad I did that. And there was a period of time where I really enjoyed actually going to the gym as painful and uncomfortable as it was. So I think we can change our relationship to what we're doing. And like what you, what you helped me realize today, Evan, was just that maybe I can do the writing, but maybe it's my relationship to the writing that needs to change, not the actual writing. Mm -hmm. Because like right now, like I had now, we had actually someone from our last podcast came over and we were hanging out. And, and he said, well, you don't want to write anymore. I said, no, I still want to write my own stuff. And it kind of actually brought some light to me. Cause it's like, well, wait a minute. I still like writing, but I just don't. So I've made some relationship about writing other people's stuff. Like there's some kind of incongruency there, which is making me, cause why do I like my own writing yet? I don't like writing for someone else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. it's not really different. You know, it's the relationship I'm making it into. That's kind of what I'm realizing now as I'm going through this process. Cause this this moment, like, of, like, maybe I was a little bit black and white thinking, because it's like, well, I still want to write, and maybe I'll still say no to the job, but I'll say no to the job, not because I don't want to write it, but, like, as I've been thinking throughout the day, I'll say no to the job, because there's something else I want to do that's more important, but not because I don't want to write it, because not wanting to write it enforces, I think, a fear inside of me, whereas, like, or some type of bad relationship, whereas, like, no, I can... You know, I can go to the movie with you, or I can go out to dinner with this person, or I can I can make choices in life, and it's just what's my priority? Where do I want to put it? And that's kind of how i have been trying to work it out now. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's I think it's our relationship to stuff. I think this is kind of actually very much I think for us because the title of this is how we transform in, in our evolution. I think evolution, like as as I kind of brought that to Evan earlier today, just in the hours we've been working together today my relationship to potentially or either taking or turning down this screenwriting job has evolved because not because anything has really changed around it but just my what's my relationship to this job if I do it or not
2: if uh, I find if you have a a real sense of ownership about it you're a lot more passionate yeah you know like that's maybe why I don't know the ins and outs of so you're writing for someone else as well as yourself and you're doing both at the same time yeah
0: but right Finds now like board. I get I, I make I can make money like a decent decent paychecks for writing for other people yeah okay but I don't get to come up with the concept but
2: yeah so you don't have the owner they, so I don't have the there's like there's them. like a there's like a passion that's attached to something that you feel like is is yours yeah it's something you know? I created oh absolutely like, so, like I mean, that's, that's what can I, you can't yeah. like you were saying earlier when you said like a lot of things hit you today about, about uh, what you were writing um, like about the movie you were, you were doing and like that feeling, that pause is unbelievable. You can't get that other away. Yeah, you can't. Like if you were writing for someone else, you got to give it away, and it's just, it's oh, there's always like something not quite there.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, what you say. Uh, I remember um, a little while ago, um, one of our Pocket Live uh, viewers at the end of the show, um, we were at, we were answering some questions, and one of our Pocket Live, I think that might have been Scott actually. Yeah, he'd asked us. Um, what, uh, like, what is your favorite part of the creative process? Right. And he asked all of us, like what, just to kind of give some feedback into it. And yeah, it's like, it's for me, I was like, it's that initial inception point where you're just like, this idea comes and it just grabs you and it just, it just shakes you like to the core. You're like, Oh my God. Like you just like, it's just, you just feel like you're just being flooded. Like it's all, pouring into you. Mm. And like you there's like you you couldn't get it all down fast enough if you even tried. I said and then there's a second point <laughs> for me, which is I'm already in like the midst of the process. I've probably even outlined like the script or I've already started like working on a part and then something happens part way through the process that completely changes everything that I thought about it (laughs) that like, (laughs) like dramatically shifts the direction of the story or paints an entirely different light onto the character that I hadn't even considered. Is that that is, that is absolutely essential. Like not just like a little thing. It's like, it's absolutely essential about them. And I had it and completely flips everything on its head. Is that a regular occurrence? Does that always happen? Like, that, that almost always happens yeah. especially if it's something that I'm really like wired about doing it's, like, I, it's I find it I've
2: written very little but I find it fucking fascinating that characters evolve in your head you know <laughs> yeah, they, they do, evolve yeah. they become people they become like they, they have personalities of their own yeah. you're like oh this person wouldn't do this yeah like after a certain stage you know them they don't exist only in your mind Yeah, but you know they have a personality they you know what, how they would respond to
1: this certain situation yeah
2: I find and, it absolutely amazing. And you know, it's,
1: it's, I remember, I don't know if, uh, either of you have watched, um, Diary of a Nymphomaniac. Uh,
0: no, no, I don't think I watched it. It was like, Sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, there was,
1: yeah, I mean, I, it's a two part movie. All right. Um, and it had gotten quite a little bit, quite a bit of, you know, fanfare. Some people really liked it, but it's very indie like drama kind of a thing. And the first part, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Second part came part at the seams for, mm. for me a little bit. And especially the way it ended, the way it ended was shocking in a, not a good way oh, because yeah. it was, it was because like this, a character does something in it. That's out of that I was yeah. just like, I don't see it. Mm. Like there's nothing that has happened that says to me that this person was going to do that. Hmm. Like there's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it was just, I felt kind of betrayed by it. Not just because it was kind of dark, you know, there's that, there was that sort of aspect of it, but it was just, it it didn't even, it felt like it was just kind of being dark and shocking for the sake of being dark and shocking as opposed to because the way that this character had been built up the entire time. Like it, it hadn't been earned for this character At to all. do this. It was thing. just out of character. Yeah, it was completely
0: Indeed, yeah. out of out of left field. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, you talk about that. This characters can transform. They can evolve as the story goes on. But we have to experience their evolution and their growth and their change. And actually, um, I would say that probably the number one thing that people really want to see in a movie, and they don't even know it, is they want to see a, a character evolve and change over the course of the story. Yeah. And, and it's a really like, it's weirdly underrated by audiences as to how much, how important it is. Yeah. But like as a writer or a creator, you really know, or novelist even, you know, talk to anyone who like does it, they know that that's important. But if someone evolves, but it's like unearned or it's like you know it's just a jump I haven't seen this movie but yeah it is a shock because you don't feel like you feel like you missed some part of the journey or like the journey wasn't didn't honour the yeah it
2: it almost feels rushed doesn't it Like, like they have actually missed a certain thing that they shouldn't have told you about that character you know right
0: but that uh, kind of th- you know, I think back, I'm thinking about life. Life's kind of like that. We always just want to jump. We want to be where we want to be. Yeah. And we don't want to go through the, the transformation stage. That's like, I'm just thinking now it's like, we have to go through transformation. Not like there's an audience watching our life necessarily, but we literally have to transform. We, we don't just get to like go, Oh, like I just want to be famous. I just want to have everything I want. you got to like, you got to evolve and go through the process of that. And that might mean like, what we we're referring to in the last podcast episode was, you know, cocooning for a bit. Maybe yeah. that's what it means. You know,
2: well, I genuinely believe that setbacks setbacks actually do more for you mm. than if something was handed to you at a, at a stage.
1: Oh yeah, completely. They are character builders, big time. Mm. So,
2: well, I,
3: I, it's, the thing it's is that
1: it's like it's weird because we have this language of calling something like that a setback. Yeah. Right. It's like, and again, I think it's all in our relationship with these things that happen right like it's it's only a setback if you look at it yeah but on the surface it looks like a setback
2: at that moment in time yeah it's like oh this is that oh something stops me in my way that's a setback
1: essentially yeah but and the the bigger picture it's actually helping you yeah every little thing like that is helping you it's brand you sent me like uh like a meme or (laughs) uh or like a quote uh and it was it had to do with um you know, these sort of these setbacks, I I don't remember the quote, but I can paraphrase it. I can pull it up. Which was that, you know, these things are actually giving us the strength to be what we, what we need to become later on. Hmm. Yep. Hugely important. Essentially. Yeah. Hugely
2: important.
0: Yeah. That's what we don't think about. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. That's just like, speaking from my perspective in the last two years, uh, like I've, set, I've had a lot of setbacks and I feel way stronger for it yeah a lot stronger um yeah and like more capable of tackling a lot of things so <laughs> like I feel I feel <clears throat> genuinely if I de- if I dedicate most of my spare time which I'm not doing because I'm very easily distracted <laughs> I, <did. laughs> uh, I live with, uh, with a lot of people too And they're always doing something But <laughs> that's another thing It's very hard for me to, I, It's an excuse, whatever But, <laughs> but I, I know that If I really genuinely put my mind to it Like genuinely focus on it I can do it yeah. uh, In terms of animation I know I can do something to do with
1: animation
0: Is this it? The struggle, the struggle you're in today Is developing the strength you need for tomorrow
1: yeah, I think that was it. I think it was that's good. it. Yeah, I
0: like it. Yeah, I think that's you know I think that's the thing to that we forget. I mean, if we're struggling, like we're building strength. You know, I mean, just think about go to the gym. You go to the gym and you struggle with the weights. You struggle to lift. That's when you're building the most strength. You know, it's in and why we think that life is any different than that is kind of funny, yeah. right? Yeah. I s-
1: I've been seeing stuff about that recently. There was a video I haven't watched it yet. It's in my my like watch later on YouTube, but. <laughs> It was, it's, this one is basically the talk is like, get used to being uncomfortable <clears throat> because it's actually kind <throat> of bizarrely the key to happiness because being uncomfortable is like, is evolution.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the, the
1: growth happens. That's where the growth yeah. happens, right? So it's like, m- learn to make peace with that, you know, learn to actually kind of welcome it in a weird way, you know, yeah. as, as instead of be groaning your life and your circumstance yeah. and whatever it's like why is this happening it's just like this is <laughs> happening like it's uh it's happening to for you to grow so yeah. you become wiser mm-hmm. so you become something more than you were before i mean this is the like the essence of storytelling mm-hmm. right the hero's yeah. journey is all about struggle and hitting a low like a rock bottom place and then discovering that you're more than you, and pulling themselves back out and being something greater, mm-hmm. you know, transcending the person that they were before breaking out of their cocoon to go back to our analogy. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. Like if you, <clears throat> if you don't see the struggle coming and you've been avoiding the struggle, it's really hard. But if you know the struggle's coming, it's not so bad. It's kind of like seeing a punch coming, you know, it's like, you're still going to get punched. But you see it coming. It's much better if you if you keep trying to avoid the punches in life. Eventually, you're still going to get hit at some point, you know, and and it's going to hurt and, and it's going to knock you down. But like we decide, like we decide to either face our fears or run from them, you know. And like one of the things that I've just been learning to embrace more and more is like, you know, just. You, you're going to get hit either way. You want to do what you want to do. You're going to get hit either way. Maybe people don't like this analogy, but I think it's true. You're going to get hit. You're going to get a little knocked, but just know the punches come and take the punch and then move forward. Yeah. You know, and that's, and, and it's, it's not about like the other thing too, is the punches aren't damaging. They're like, they may, you may experience damage. You may lose money, lose your job, lose some friends, quote unquote. Yeah. But, but maybe you, not you gain yeah. something else that's the thing you don't that's a, realize yeah. that's the exchange right
2: you can only <clears throat> you can only realize that looking back to it's, yeah. it's weird like at any given point if something bad happens to you it's the worst thing in the world at that moment totally know? like I I always I always try and like tell myself will I actually give a shit about this in six months time
0: right that's <laughs> yeah. a good one like, yeah. you
2: know honestly man yeah. more it's often good than good not practical like think about something think about something like that you did embarrassing or whatever, something happened that six six months ago. You, you might even be able to think of it, and at that moment in time, it was probably, oh man, it's so bad, the world is ending, like this is yeah. horrible. <laughs> and then you can't even remember the fucking thing, like yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, like like a, a week later, six it's months ago to this day, you probably did something fucking stupid. Yeah,
1: sometimes <laughs> not even
2: six months, you know, yeah. it's like
1: a week later, I yeah, forgot. Exactly. You, you just forgot about, about it. it. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. mad. At that moment in time, it seems like the the world is ending. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs>
1: it's just. Yeah. You learn, you roll. It's entirely how you're choosing to, to look at it.
0: Well, it's like I was saying earlier, it's big, big picture thinking when you're thinking six months ahead or even six years ahead, you're thinking bigger picture, right? Yeah. When you're always getting caught up in the moment about what everything means right now, it's always going to seem like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like an ant and, and, you know, getting stepped on, right? Because you're just so small, you make yourself so small. But if you think about like, I mean, this one thing, another, another little mind trick you can play with yourself to help yourself is just go like, think of a problem that was really hard when say you were like a teenager, right? Or in your early twenties, whatever, it doesn't matter. And like take five, six, 10 years later and just go, if I was dealing with that problem right now, would that even be an issue right now? And it probably wouldn't be at all. You'd be like, no problem. This wouldn't even matter. But at the time it felt like a big issue. So what you can do is go like, okay, Right now this is a big deal to me, because this is where I'm at. But in like a year from now or five years or ten years from now, well this like if, if I was that person in this position now, would it be? You know? And you don't even know who you're gonna be, but if you know you're growing, you're like, eh. This is yeah. not so bad. You know, it seems bad, but it's not really as bad because this is actually what's growing you into the person yeah. you're about to become. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: And more yeah. often than not, actually, it's probably, yeah, it's probably, it's a good thing, more often than not. Yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. When, uh, I, like, I did four years of graphic design. I did it in Cork City in Ireland. And uh, I actually applied for, I applied to two art colleges. So one of them was in Cork, one of them was in Limerick. And they're, they're pretty far apart, both of them. I, I, I had started a course in Limerick and I dropped out it was a multimedia development course for like six months I knew after, after a week I hated it so I actually <laughs> like I hated it I knew I was dropping out but I didn't tell anyone at home I went working for nine months in Limerick City and <laughs> they thought I was going to college <laughs> but, uh, yeah I told them and then after like six months because I knew I had the money set up to do another course but I applied for uh, the art college in Limerick which for me like at the time I thought it was great and I wanted to do it because all my friends are in Limerick and I wanted to stay there and then I applied to one in Cork and uh, like, the one in Limerick actually rejected me like completely I, I remember being so pissed off because they, they commented on the state the state of my portfolio case mm. it had a few scratches on it like I was, I was skint I couldn't afford one Yeah. instead of like the actual things in my portfolio they commented on and I was like you are snobby to a different <laughs> level like, yeah. so anyway I, I had a feeling when I was walking out of there that I was going to get I was going to get turned down but luckily a week earlier I'd handed my portfolio into Cork but the funny thing was I had been out the night before and I was fully sure and confident that I was going into Limerick that I was considered not even handed into the one in Cork oh man yeah man like I was considered <laughs> I dragged myself out of bed and got on the bus and I was so over and I was like why the fuck am I doing this why am I doing this <laughs> Handling my portfolio Got rejected for Limerick Got a letter like The next day saying You're accepted in Cork <laughs> and I was like Jeez that was fucking lucky <laughs> But uh, but, uh got? The, no, the, Like the moral of the story is Like I, I met my best friends In that course In mm-hmm. that college course Um
1: like, Yeah And, and Sometimes uh, like, you have Absolutely no idea like, oh, what these things mad. are like, for right? And
2: at the time I was so pissed off That I had to go to Cork I was so pissed off I was like This is the worst thing in the world I don't know anyone there Or whatever like you know, I, I just did not want to do it. Yeah. You
0: know, but I, Yeah, totally. I got a, I got a good story too. It's kind of similar to that. I got rejected from film school the first year I applied and I was like, and I, and everybody was like, you're a shoe in. Cause I had already done so much work already. I was like, still, I was only 19 and I had already worked probably like as much as like people who are like in their 25, as far as filmmakers go and i had experience i had i still have the binder there i kept it in my application which had like i had written a television pilot i had a movie that had already been like distributed in a major film festival all this stuff and we had to write up an article about why why we felt we should be you know and i and i remember getting the rejection letter back and being like like honestly i was like motherfucker i was just <laughs> like how in the world have you like and they turned me down and I was just like, like there's like I was just like too much experience or what? Like and I was like, and that pissed me off so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. have yeah. gone it, it like I already had drive. My drive went like another like ten levels up because I was like, you know, I and and what I did was I was like everything that they did I'm gonna do everything you do I'm gonna I'm gonna research what you guys learn I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna do more you know what I mean and it's kind of like I look at it now and I'm like I actually have a film career but like <laughs> I got a film career because I didn't like it because I got rejected but yeah, by the time I, I actually did get into film school I was like this is a whole bunch of bullshit <laughs> was my, like, you know?
2: that kind of shows like that kind of shows that your attitude is different to other people's yeah because like and in your mind, that drove you even further up. Right. Like that made you even more determined. But another per, another person would call that a setback, right? And they feel sorry for themselves. Well, and I still yeah, thought it, it was a setback. A shell, you know?
0: I still thought it was a setback. Don't get me wrong. But you, it, but dr- I was it committed to be a filmmaker. Yeah. So, like, in a way, like, and I, and the more people told me no, the more I was like, I'll show you, I'll prove you wrong. You know, kind yeah. of
1: thing. Well, sometimes these things also challenge your ideas of how you think things unfold and how right. things happen you know, there's so many more paths than just like the way that we were told is how you accomplish things in this world. Yeah. I mean, it's like more than ever, we should know that that <laughs> shit's not true. Right. I mean, I don't know if we need to harp on the education system <laughs> again, but you know, it's like there, it's the, the whole sort of like, you know, go get out of high school, go to college, get a job. Like it kind of ends there. And for So many of the cases now where it's just like, okay, no, the dream ends at that get a job part. Well, just can I
0: stop you for one second? And just to carry on, how, like, okay, how messed up is it that we believe that there's an end point to our life? It's like, go to school, go to college, get out, get a job, get married, get a house, or whatever. There's these things that we do, and then once you've done that, you're good now. You can just live
1: happily like, ever after. Like, it's right? like, get
0: ready to die. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. no, seriously, like, is like there is no end point. Like you're, you, there is no, this journey, the day it's done, you're in a coffin six feet underground or like ashes in a, in a, in a lake, you know, you're, you're not <laughs> like, there is no end point. And the whole idea that we've been even sold this, you know what I mean? Is a confusion to our whole setup? Yeah. You know, like I figured, like, I remember thinking like, once I get into film school, then everything's not film school. Like you get ready for your whole rest of your career. Like film school is nothing compared to what you're signed up for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you're going to be applying for jobs for your whole life. Like, this is not like, this is your first, like, you know what I mean? So if, if you get killed off on a film school application, film filmmaking is not for you. And really like any big dream is not for you because you're going to just you're going to basically like quit, like the moment you get a no, you're going to get a lot of no's along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, and we can call all our no's setbacks, but like no's are really just a, I mean, I kind of adopted the idea that the more no's you get, the closer you get to what you want, you know, as opposed that's to
2: like. That's a great answer to
0: have. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the only way to do life really. Cause like yeah. you're going to get way more no's. Anything that's worthwhile, you're going to get way more no's than you will, yes. But I just think it's the mentality we're educated in, mm-hmm. that there's an end point. Graduate college, get a job. And it's like, okay, now my career stuff's set. It's like, well, maybe you're going to get fired, maybe. Maybe you, maybe you hate the job. Maybe it wasn't what you planned on, you know, and like life isn't that simple. And I think like, you know, especially our generation is growing up and we're going... Well, I went to school, I did college and now I got the job and I don't like my job and I'm not fulfilled with my life. And we're, we're like a little bit more in touch with ourselves emotionally that way, you know? And we're like, well, I guess, I guess this is what you do. I guess I'll just tough it out. I mean, how many people do you guys know who are our age, who are already divorced? You know what I mean? I know so many people. You, yeah, I know so many who are, I know people who are still Holy together.
1: Shit. Maybe you're not quite there yet, Mark. Maybe you I got have, a few more years 100% to add on. To. Not there
0: yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but you start <laughs> seeing it. You just start seeing, you just start seeing it. It's like, and it's like, I've seen so many people and they're restarting their life again. And like, I've had a lot of people like come to me and say like, that, and it's weird because so much of my life, I felt like I was messing up because I was like, I should have got a job. I should have been more responsible. And they're like, I wish I did what you did. I never really didn't. Now, now they want to get into like filmmaking. They want to get into acting. They're, like you want to write a script together, <laughs> like, you know? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's not to say that I don't, but, but there's a certain, you know, everyone has their own journey. I'm not saying that's wrong. Yeah. If that's what it takes for you to, to wake up, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah. But I think it's kind of, we're misled. I mean, it's, I even think of myself as being a little misled. I wish I knew the lessons I knew when I was 20. Like, I wish I knew that when I was, like, 10.
2: But I think, I think a, big, a big problem is, like, 20, in the 21st century, it's way too easy to coast for everyone. Yeah. It's so easy to survive. You can survive, like, you could be, <laughs> you know, below average intelligence. It doesn't matter. you would survive. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, it's so easy to do nothing and still get by. I think mean, that's, that's one of the biggest
3: yeah, problems.
1: Yeah. I mean, and in some ways I feel like that's been, that's been true for a while now. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I just read an article recently. It was about, um, it was about like sort of the working class, right. And, uh, like the blue collar, like working class, um, you know, maybe the last generation, the generation before as well. And it's, and sort of the mentality of it. And a lot of the working class, it's like, the whole idea is it's, they're not even that well educated. You know, there's like a a simple trade, you know, you learn like a specific set of skills and you can do that. I mean, I know my, um, my fiance's grandfather, he got terrible grades both in high school and in university Yeah. But he got into university on terrible grades and he got like, he, he he was getting so many job opportunities out of university with terrible grades. Like it was, he was, he came out of there. I remember him telling me a story about he, uh, this place he was, he was in social work or whatever. And he had, coming because he's he ended up getting into politics okay he ended up being a politician because he was a bit of a rabble rouser right like he liked to kink up a stink a bit of an idealist and there was like some practices going on in this facility that he was working at and he was just like a pretty low-level guy and he was just like hey listen like this is this isn't right and blah blah blah, blah and they're like you can't say that and he's just like and you can't and he's just like no i'm reporting it and he basically like reported it and got fired <laughs> And the next day he had two job offers. Mm. Well. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, that's, you know, that, and that's, that's the thing is like when you get something easy, it's really hard for you to understand someone else's struggle where when it's not easy. You know, I think that's the problem right now. I mean, we're, we're facing it in our culture where we have the older generation that looks at the millennial generation. And they say, yeah, just get a job, get a house, do this shit. And it's like, well, it doesn't quite work that way right now. You know, it's not like, it's not exactly the same. It's very, very difficult to get a house. Yeah.
1: In Vancouver, especially. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially in these like metropolis type cities. Right. And Mm -hmm. the other thing too is, um, when people have money or they come from a place of money or like opportunity, like we're, we're seeing that now The just, the, it's, um, it, it was, it's, it's kind of, um, like in a way right now where if you kind of had that, um, where you had your parents kind of taking care of some stuff, you had some money things taken care of, you could in some ways, um, bypass certain rites of passage that other people would have to pass through who didn't necessarily have that. Mm. And so, you know, you have people who are wealthier who saying, yeah, just get off the street, just get a job. And it's like, you don't understand that that person didn't have the same handout that you had, but we don't always see when we're on easy street. And I think like, humanity is built in the struggle. Like there is no, like, you know, people who get the free ride, they get the easy ride, which isn't really free. You lose other things, but we lose our humanity. We lose our sense of humility and like what it actually means to like put real effort in, you know? And I think like, don't, the part of the reason why I, I experienced it like at a younger age, cause you know, and you could talk set, we we're talking setbacks. My parents lost all their money when I was like, you know, 14 years old. So I learned to live, in essentially poverty from like, you know, for most of my teenage years. So I learned what it was like to have to like, you know, figure out how you're going to take care of shit on your own. Right. And like, and and not everybody gets that experience. You know, in some ways I was just like, man, I want to drive the nice car to school. Like all these other guys are, I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want my parents to like, pay for my hockey or whatever. I had to figure out how to make money to pay. You know how expensive hockey is? Real expensive. Is it? Oh yeah. The equipment. To pay for it yourself when you're 16 years old. That's what I had to do. I had to, like other kids were off buying cars and doing, buying nice clothes. I was trying to figure out how to pay for my hockey. You know what I mean? Their parents were already covering all that shit. So there was this part of like learning how to figure out like, okay, well like I have this money and this is what I want to do and figuring out how to put it there. You know what I mean? It was it's so adversity is is interesting it really sucks while you're in it it feels like it but it really serves you in the long you can't put a price
1: on that no Uh, you can't just teach someone that
0: (laughs) um what's this beer i think we're out we need a refill
1: oh yeah yeah sorry i'm not i'm dropping the ball on this how do you uh (laughs) first talk about it right yeah isn't that the the first step how do you like it well i'm i want to start with a guess here uh yeah it
2: was it was good it was nice um citrusy huh yeah, it looks it looks fruity, but it's not that fruity at all. Like okay. I I don't know how to explain it. It's a uh, It's, it's
0: like a nice a, color, definitely. <laughs> it's a little sour. A little lemony, I find. Um, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like it m- might be a half of but like with a, uh I don't know, like some kind of sour mix in it maybe. Are
2: half of lime in the season? There are only certain seasons,
1: right?
0: Well, they, I could be totally can, wrong. You it can make like, them in
1: any season, but yeah. usually they're 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 done in the summer.
0: Feels like I don't know what it is, but it feels it seems to me like it kinda has the half look, but it kinda seems like a sour mixed with either a lager or a half of bison somehow. It's um yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting. I'm not gonna I I'm like on the fence with it. I like I'm okay. obviously still drinking it. And <laughs> I like it, but
2: it reminds me of uh of the of the Russell White Rabbit. Uh,
0: is it? Why yeah. isn't it? Mm.
1: Actually, you're right. I,
0: yeah, I think I like the the Russell White, but this one's a little bit more sour for me. Yeah.
1: What is it? All right, so this is from Brassneck, and this is an experimental beer from them. This is called their Main Squeeze. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and it's a Belgian style wit beer. Okay. Um, with citrus and black limes. Good Oh
0: yeah. Good call.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, it, yeah. Six percent, so it's it's a little you know up there on the alcohol scale. Yeah. Um, I really like it. Um, the, uh, I was talking with uh, the girl there and she says, yeah, like the, the citrus kind of cuts that sort of, you know, almost that like banana and coriander that you can get from a, from a vit beer. Mm -hmm. So
0: a vit beer, a vit beer. (laughs) I usually don't, I usually don't like, um, when, uh, beer is like, Banana-y. Like, I always find it reminds me a little bit of this medicine I used to have as a kid. Like, maybe we all had that. Oh, yeah, them. yeah. So, like, like I don't mind it. I mean, I really like white, white beer and half and all that. But, like, every once in a while, if I taste a little too much banana, I'm like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's not, actually, like, it's not, like, enough yeah, for me yeah. to spit it out or anything. You know, I like beer more than
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually tasted a banana liqueur today for the first time. Oh, really? And um, everybody around me was like, "This is disgusting." I liked it. No, oh,
0: I did. You? Yeah.
2: Because do you know why? Like, it actually reminded me of like a certain sweet, a certain candy that we used to eat when I was a kid. It was these, these banana. They were actual bananas, but like they weren't actual bananas, but they were marshmallowy sweet. banana things. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it tasted exactly like that. It's crazy the way it tastes. something like that can can bring you right back to a time. I know. I think yeah. that's
0: the thing, right? It's just memories, right? Like you know, I it, you know, and I can I, just for me, I remember having this banana medicine, and maybe it was whatever, whatever I had to take it or whatever it was. I don't even I don't even know. Yeah, I just for some reason it ties back to that memory. You know, it's like a sense memory thing. So maybe I actually like the taste, but that. You know, as, um, actually, okay, here's, here's a little side <laughs> since we're on this. We were having a discussion. I was talking with a few guys who are like pretty deep thinkers and stuff, but we were talking about this whole thing and I'm, I'm sure this is not entirely new to everybody on the podcast, but you know, if you say my favorite color is green and you say my favorite color is blue and I say my favorite color is orange or whatever, right? We just say that. We don't know if each of us are actually all seeing the same color, Yeah. but we call it a different color And so like, what's really interesting, and it's just the whole thought of like, maybe we all like exactly the same thing. But like, we, we have different sensors that like take in something. So it actually what what tastes the same as someone else, you know, like, yeah, which is kind of an interesting thing when you think about like beer tasting. And that's why I like, try to be really honest with it is like, what do I really think of it? Because I think like, you know, who knows what's good and what what isn't. But I think like, you like, there's some stuff I love that some people just don't like, you know, but there's other things that people will like that I won't like. But I think what's really good about this podcast, we always try to be just really honest from our own perception and experience. Yeah. But who's to say what's, what's better, what's worse, you know what I mean? But I think it's like trying to keep that authentic kind of truth in, because, you know, like, I didn't like beer when I was younger. And now I
1: drink beer like twice a week, <laughs> at least. Yeah, that's an evolving artist. Yeah,
3: that's an evolving artist, right?
1: <laughs> yes, and, and I remember like hard liquors and stuff too. Like yeah. once I was like, getting into an age when I was like, okay, I can stomach like the beer, you know, was usually like, just like that cheap, like weekend cabin type of beer, you know, or you just like, <laughs> it's it's pretty nondescript it's just easily drinkable because yeah. you know you're trying to just get drunk usually yeah at that time when you're just experimenting you with you alcohol you don't really
2: care what it tastes like yeah, All yeah. You care is
1: that it gets until drunk. eventually you've had way too much of it and you're just like i can't <laughs> drink like another can of this shit um but then the there's like the hard alcohols which you start off by mixing and it's like Ugh, like i i couldn't i i couldn't even fathom how like my, I watching like my dad or like my uncles or, you know, my grandpa, like drinking, like drinking hard stuff, like barely (laughs) mixed at all. Or sometimes just like on the rocks. And now it's like having like a whiskey, a whiskey neat or a whiskey on the rocks is just like one of like my, (laughs) one of my pleasures in life. You know, not, not all the time, but like, when the mood is right.
0: Well, how do you think, I mean, how do you think that relates? I mean, I I know it sounds silly, but how do you think that relates to us as just evolving artists? I mean, your, your taste buds evolve where something you couldn't stand at one point is actually something you enjoy today. And I think that has like, we were kind of on that with this adversity thing. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things that, you know, maybe you didn't like when you were younger that you actually like evolve into liking Mm -hmm. today. And I think like that's part of, um, why it's important to struggle and have some adversity in life. Cause like you, it might be uncomfortable today, but you might like what that is tomorrow. And as crazy as that seems in the moment, like that's part of our evolution and transformation, yeah. right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you seen anything like that happen with your life aside from
2: drinking? <laughs> <laughs> no. Gotta ask the Irish about, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, my taste—oh, well, this isn't really the art, but my taste buds have developed a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. Working in a restaurant definitely helps. Mm. Like mm. Uh, I used to hate seafood. Now I like it. Right. Now, I don't like it, but I uh, like I'd actually go out and actively look for it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of art, though, yeah, maybe, maybe somewhat. I do know that that I've kind of got a dislike for graphic design at the moment Um, and the main reason is uh, you touched on it earlier uh, when you were saying that it's different when you're writing for yourself as opposed to when you're writing for someone else a lot of design projects are based on what a client wants Mm. and it's so difficult to give someone a good design and then they could just come back and say oh can it be blue right uh, it's so hard no it can't it, just it, be blue it's, 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 so, it's so hard it's so hard to to explain your point of view because at the end of the day there's like a fine balance like like they're paying you and they want this logo or whatever uh, but you also have to tell them that you're, you're the one that knows what you're doing mm-hmm. but they still kind of have final say yeah. so that's why I, I'm kind of not as into graphic design like straight after college uh, like I find with animation you have a lot more creative leeway right and um, you can go on tangents I and mean, it's not a you don't get a uh, you don't get a set agenda or like a set a set like uh, criteria to follow you know they, they don't want this 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 they, they give you a script and you just go and be creative with it mm. um, yeah so me personally graphic design uh, is like my taste for graphic design has gone down right. in the last couple of years um, and that's just the term graphic design I still love designing but when it when it comes to uh, somebody commissioning me to do something, I feel like the shackles are kind of on me a bit more. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that. Oh, I do. Some,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, I mean, that's uh, screenwriting for hire. That's, you know, what you deal with a lot. Yeah. And um, to the degree I find that I have the shackles on me, it's to the degree that it becomes more painful and difficult to do the job. Yeah. yeah. For me, when my experience of it, right? when yeah. it, When I have more creative freedom within the job, I find like you know, and I think like right now it's an interesting time in my career because this is a writer, because I don't know if if this happens with graphic designer, I'd imagine it'd be the same, but you kind of start to earn a credibility after people have seen your work. And then you get a little more room to kind of, you know, like, like like I look at like movie stars, right. And like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, you're not going to, necessarily come on and tell him how to do it yeah like he's earned a certain kind of or Meryl Streep they've kind of yeah. earned a That's certain it, you
2: have to get to a certain level yeah, you and, then, to, and then they literally just say you do it
0: <laughs> yeah you do it we, we, we
2: want to see be what you we'll do yeah. Uh, yeah. you know who Shepard Ferry is no mm. Shepard, Shepard Ferry is uh, is a graphic designer and illustrator uh, famous for the Obama poster during the oh. Obama campaign oh right and everybody knows that image
3: mm-hmm. you know the yeah, the, red yeah. and
2: white, the whole point yeah. Yeah. yeah that was Shepard Ferry he also did Obey um like, all that old Bay branding, you might have seen the caps going around. And the Andre the Giant image. Mm. Now, that guy just gets commissioned. Like, he's got a certain style. If he got commissioned by someone, they would not try and step in. He would just do his thing. Man. He's got that level of, like... Yeah. He's Shepard fairy
0: <laughs> So, I guess, you know? like, I mean, that's the... I think that's what every artist's dream is, in a way, is where we can get hired because we've earned a certain authority of, like, our own... Yeah. What we're going to bring to the table. I think that's really what, I mean, any actor I've ever talked to, I think that's what we all really want. We want to be able to be like, to come on a set and people that trust that what we bring is something that is even going to surprise yeah. them. So they're not even going to try to tell you what to do. right? But
1: sometimes it's still nice to have somebody to have feedback with yeah, or somebody that you're, at least you feel like you're collaborating with, right? Like, um, I'm reading a, an article uh, with Daniel Day Lewis and talking about, you know, because he's Daniel Day Lewis. Right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck do you say to him? Yeah. Like, how do you direct this guy? Like, he knows this probably better than you do. Um, and so there's a degree to which he actually has a certain level of frustration um, because sometimes he wants a little bit of direction, you know? Like oh, he yeah? wants a little yeah. bit of, like, something to occur, you know, because I think he understands that it it is a collaboration despite that he's done his work, Mm -hmm. you know, beyond what is going to be even required of him. He still likes to have that, which is why I think he probably works with the directors he does. I just saw that he's teaming up again with Paul Thomas Anderson for oh, yeah. a new movie coming out this year. And they, the last one they did was there will be blood. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is such a strong director. Mm-hmm. He's also worked with Scorsese, you know, like he's, he works with directors who I think are, will probably give him freedom, but aren't going to be afraid to like work with him a little bit, you know, because that's what I think filmmaking and being an actor in film becomes such a, is it's at its most exciting, a process because to me, it's always an exploration, you know, like it's, it's always a process. It's like, that's, that's when acting is most exciting to me is when it's like, no, this isn't done. Like, yes, I've gotten it to a certain place where we're going to now start capturing this. Like I've, like I've dropped into a certain level of this and I can, and I can express this, but when I'm going in with still a level of no, but I'm still exploring this as in like, I still don't know. I don't know what this all is. And then being able to discover that as I'm going, still finding new things as I'm going, uh, and to have somebody else who's a part of that process with you, who's just like, yeah, like I'm in this with you. Like that's kind of, see what yeah. what happens like, Brandon said earlier like there shouldn't be you can a cap on something there's
2: there's, like Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing incredible yeah. but he can still get better he actually yeah. can he, yeah like and if he can't then, then you're just like like Brandon said earlier like if he's literally at his peak then what is there to actually do what is there to act for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know he's always going to get better always he, there's no limit there is no limit so uh, like obviously you get frustrated if somebody wasn't telling him he's doing something wrong or,
0: uh, they're too scared cause his ego or maybe not his ego, yeah. but it's time to do this again. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, partnership too is like, you, you know, you got to kind of be somewhat at the same level. I mean, otherwise it just slips into the whole like teacher student or, or whatever. It's like the, you know, I mean, it, I think the thing is, is like the teacher student model in just to bring it back to the education system kind of fails because we have a society that is, you're the teacher and you're the student and I'm the teacher and I've studied and I know, and you're the student and you don't. So listen to me and do what I tell you. That's the model we currently live on. Wouldn't you agree? For the uh, most part? Yeah.
2: So yeah, so much.
0: Okay. But I don't think we mostly live on the mentor protege where you have someone who's like, okay, I have the life experience and, and that, and I'm going to guide you trusting that you're actually an authority over what you want. And and with your own authority of bringing to the table everything you have, you'll actually raise my game as the mentor. But this but the problem is right now, basically students just surpass their teachers, and then they're like, okay, well, there's no more growth anymore. But what what actually in the mentor protege is like if the protege ever becomes the mentor, the mentor has the humility to become the protege to their own protege, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And that, and then it keeps this cyclical kind of growth process going. And that's really how education should be done in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's all about like, you know, you start to claim yourself to be an authority or to know the answers. I mean, anyone starts talking like that to you, I think you just like walk the other fucking yeah. direction. You know, maybe they do have experience, but you they mean don't like tell yeah. you what to do. Kind of yeah. Like they just, you know, like they're just like, no, I have the answer. It's they feel just like, they like they everything kind of is like, yeah, everything's yeah. in its box. Everything is like, this is how it is. I mean, I think by this point in human evolution, we should have accepted the fact that we don't know a fucking thing about anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and you're I, always learning. I, there's already this. things for that. I learned from like the history books that they're like, actually, no, we don't think it really happened this way. It happened this <laughs> like, well, Geez, like things are changing all the time. Something came out of a black hole last year. <laughs> they captured something come out of a black hole. Yeah. How the fuck does something come out of a black hole? Right? Yeah, yeah according what to do, the way we learned. Yeah, what yeah. do we know? Right? I, I what to, do we uh, really know?
2: <laughs> before, before I moved here, I, used to, I, I spent six months working at a factory. And it was a contact lens factory, right? Um, but the average age in there was probably like 50 plus, and I was 24, so they they always like be asking me like what's going on in your life whatever just just something away from the fucking the machines and the boredom of like working with the same people for twenty years, but uh, that's what it was that's what the type of place it was they were all lovely lovely people like mm. but uh, there was one guy started with me he was sixty two right and he trained to me like he was he was in the training room me hated computers had no idea what to do so he kept on asking me for help and I was like yeah no bother like uh, his name was Conrad. This guy's a fisherman all his life, right? Like big, <laughs> big, massive fisherman hands on him, like just wearing contact
1: he just... lenses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he got the
2: job there, but I actually think his wife worked in a factory or something. I, I can't remember the story, but but like really nice guy, and he used to tell it exactly like it was. But he had the literally the best saying, and I've said it so much. <laughs> he used to say every day whenever I'd help him on the computer he used to say every day is a school day <laughs> that's what he was saying Was he turned to me like I'd help him and then he'd go every day is a school day <laughs> fucking man I'll never forget it like he was yeah. such a cool
0: guy yeah for yeah. like
2: 62 still like still like willing to learn willing to learn and willing to ask a 24 year old for help
1: that's yeah. right like, I, I mean that's yeah that's, that's the way to be in life that's yep. the humility yep. exactly. of like learning and no, no matter where you are you know I think it's like this is how the way way things are done and changing it to, well, in my experience, this is how, you know, we do it. Or in my experience, this is how yeah. I've seen this go. You know, you leave yourself some room to be like, but I could be wrong. There could be a better way to do it. We find better ways yeah. to do things all the fricking time.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think like, and I, I really think like we're all, we're all, we're all students like of life, you know, no matter what, but like if people want to step up and be in a, a position of authority, we, we should treat those positions like guides. Like you're just a guide, you know, you're not, it's not simply to tell someone what to do or act as though, you know, the way, but to say like, you know, here's like, like, you know, you kind of give them a gentle push over here, like try this out or, you know, or, or here's like, you know, cause it, cause the thing is like, if someone tells you about not to do something, you know, it's not like, it's not like you want to do it. Like you're going to necessarily do it any less, unless maybe you're scared of them. but like, it almost makes you just more curious. You know what I mean? Like really, like the thing is, is I think that we're all, I mean, this would have learned the hard way really, but we're all internally guided, right. And that we're guided this way and people are going to do what they're going to do. There's really no, no stopping them doing what they're going to do, but you can take that guide and you can help them, direct it in a way for themselves because they'll ultimately do it that would better serve them and everybody else in their in as they do it but the thing is if you just tell someone not to do something you know like you know there's a certain part of our culture that's just defiant they're just going to defy that doesn't matter what you tell them to do they're going to defy what you tell them to do because they don't they don't want to take orders yeah you know there's another certain part of our society which will literally do whatever you tell them to do but that's not good either we just reward that you know what I mean <laughs> obedience but it's like they're just doing it because they're like okay, well I guess if you say so I'll do it. But it's like now you just cheated them out of the chance to decide for themselves, right? So it's like, you know, we kind of uh I think what yeah. we need to do is like when I when I think of doing this podcast, I mean, I think about when we first started and I was like, man, I was a little bit teachery with a couple of things. And I was like, okay, well that's probably just my nerves, probably whatever. Now I feel we we're much more like guides. We have a discussion, we open up some ideas we say like, this is what I think about it. You know, maybe that's right. Maybe not whatever, but like, here, think about this and people can go away and they go, okay, I had some stuff to think about. And I think it ultimately creates like uh, you know, you, you kind of like we're in this together as opposed to like, I know the way yeah. <laughs> and you go the way. Cause I'm already on the way. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> like, uh, I've been reading this Alan Watts book recently and he, he introduces like, before he really gets into it, he he starts by saying it's like, all right, you know, there's a lot of people on this side of philosophy, and there's a lot of people on this side of philosophy, and there's like very rigid arguments for these, and then there's the people who try and like combine them and say, no, this is it, and whatever, and he's like, and and I'm trying to resist that sort of thing and not try to make it any of these things. Um, he's like, and and present some some ideas but they are not going to be without ridicule. They are not going to be without challenge. And some of them might just be flat out wrong. (laughs) But like, the thing is, is that like, I'm putting these things out there to be a contribution to the collective pool of human wisdom. And you kind of just have to take your shots that way because that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's no, there's no avoiding that. Um, so I think that that's like, there's such an amazing freedom in having that level of humility of yeah. not having to be right or, or yeah. have the answer yeah. to things because it's like, okay, you take the pressure off of yourself and then you can kind of just freely speak yeah. about things. And then if you're proven wrong, or if there's like another way, it's not such a big deal. Mm-hmm. You if, know? You, if you, for me, if you give advice to anybody,
2: you better be at least equally uh, like ready to accept advice too, mm-hmm. straight back. Yeah. If you can give it, you, if you can give advice. You should be able to accept it. So that's, that is definitely Alan Watts. I'd say he'd, it, he would like, he would take criticism on the chin or he would have taken criticism on the chin. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like he the might have, that. He might've given you a good run for your money, <laughs> I'd say <think> so. Yeah. <laughs> take, yeah. Take criticism on the
0: chin. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's the, that's the thing is like, also you don't, you know, no one has to do what anyone else says. Nobody, nobody has any control over any other person as much as we try to make it up that we do. And we try to, we try to craft creative ways where we think we have control over people. Like, you know, it's, it's simply, does that person recognize that they're free? That's really the, the thing. Like the, 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 if you want to break a human being, convince them on the inside that they aren't free and they have to do what you say. That's, not that you controlled them. That's that you, that you actually twisted their internal understanding of how the world works. Like, because you can take someone and throw them in a cell and they're still free. But we have been convinced that freedom is this outward experience. And I know like some people are probably thinking like, well, it is this way but we, we've been so programmed to believe that freedom is the ability to go and physically move everywhere. It's actually, that's like a small fraction of what freedom actually is. Freedom occurs mostly like probably 98% in the mind. And then we have a a very, very tiny experience of getting to roam free physically, you know, but like, I've been challenging these ideas. Like for example, I was having a talk with a friend and I, and I said, I'm going to run an experiment with you. And he goes, okay. And I said, why do you do your job? He goes, I do my job because I don't want to, like, I need the money. I, I need the money. I don't want to end up on the street. And if I don't have that money, I'm going to end up on the street and blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, <clears throat> so you're telling me a projection, which is that you're saying that I'm scared. So I work. I, I'm obligated. I have to work because if I don't work, then bad things will happen, which is basically means that you're not free. You believe that you have to do this or bad things will happen. That's not freedom. Freedom is I do my job because my job actually gives me the money so that I can have this house and do these things because I want to have this house and do these things so I can do this and this and this and so forth. And there is no fear. It's just simply I do this thing because it allows me to do it. You know what I mean? So if we made that choice in our mind as opposed to the fear, we would actually experience freedom. Now, it doesn't matter where you put somebody. Someone could say, well, why are you serving? you know, why are you serving time in this, in this, uh, you know, confinement and, and they could either answer from a projection of fear or they can answer from a projection of purpose. Yeah. And so at my point was that I think where I'm, where I've been evolving more as an artist is I've been realizing that I need to make and try to dig down and try to connect to why I do everything I do, but from purpose and not from fear and not from obligation. Cause there's much that I've done, that's been from fear and obligation, right? And I think that's kind of the culture we're raised in a little yeah. bit. But and it's a motivator, but it's just a limited right. It's like we don't experience our free will when we feel like I have to go to work. That no, you don't have to go to work. You're choosing to go to work because it upholds a value. It's just different.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, it is. It's it's kind yeah. of again, it's about that relationship that we create with yeah. our lives, you know, our relationship to everything in our lives and how we go about things.
0: Well, yeah. Like, you know, it's that chapter in, uh, Dan Millman's book, you know, choice. You have yeah. to be willing to leave your wife to ever choose to be with your wife. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. Right. You have well, yeah, to, it's
1: like, yeah. there's so, so there's some context. Okay. Basically it's like in, in the, in the book, it, there's like this sage and this guy's with this sage and she's telling him, uh, uh, basically like, well, she's like, I, I suggest you like you, you go home and, and you, you know, you leave your <laughs> wife kind of thing. And okay. and he's just like, what? I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. Like, and she's like, well, why not? And he says, well, it would be, you know, it'd be hard on the kids. The finances would be a mess, you know, like all of this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And she's okay. You've given me a lot of reasons why you can't leave, your marriage, but it's like what you haven't given me a lot of reasons why you can be in this thing. Right. And so, so it was the whole idea was that, was that, yeah, it's like you can't, if it was essentially like, it was all of these obligations, the reason yeah. why he could like, why he can't do this thing. It's all this, why can't. Like, so until he accepted that he was within his power to, <clears throat> to actually leave his wife, despite whatever would happen, um, he can never really fully choose to actually be with her. He hasn't chosen it. he's, he's felt obligated. Yeah. But it's all just, an, it's just an obligation. Right. So like yeah. once you get past, it's like, Oh, well I have to, I mean, it's like, well, no, I mean, none of us really have to do anything, ha- have to do anything. Just just that, taxes. <laughs> yeah. There's just action. There's, there's just, you know, there's consequences no matter what you choose. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so what consequences are you willing to accept? It's funny. I just was watching a thing that recently popped up because, uh, of the sort of political climate out there. <laughs> but, um, Henry David Thoreau, uh, his, um, civil disobedience essay re recirculating around Damn there. Gross. And it's, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Like it's, it's, I mean, I'm a huge fan of some of his ideas and his yeah. concepts, and it was it, one thing I didn't know about it was that he wrote this at a time when a man became president who was like he was all for slavery, <laughs> uh, like he wanted to go to war with Mexico. Uh, who was it? Like was I, it? I can't remember his name, like Polk or something like that. Polk. His name was Polk. Yeah, don't really know. Okay. Like the, not a, a president that I'm familiar yeah. with, but. Yeah. He was like, you know, a total just like wasp nut job kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, and he wrote this essay, Henry Deer wrote this essay basically basically being like, I disagree with everything this person stands for. And this person is my president, my sort of commander in chief. So what does that mean? Like and he kind of gets into and he kind of coined the the actual term of civil disobedience. Yeah. Which is basically like don't pay your taxes. It's not good enough for you to just not like say, I'm I'm opposed to all their ideology, but I don't know what to do about it. And it's like, well there's lots you can do and yeah. and he ended up going to jail for this for, oh, yeah, for this essay or for, I, for I can't, what he did. I think he withheld his taxes. <laughs> cause he was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay taxes to this. And he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said he didn't have, a, he didn't have a single problem with being in jail because he said, sometimes that's what it means. Yeah. You know, to be a free man, I've got to go to jail. Like Like, I have, to uphold something greater, yeah. right. Was more freedom Ooh. to him than to just stand by and Damn. watch this person you know, do this. That's right? unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you could, you can understand yeah. why this has kind of been yeah. recirculating.
2: <laughs> that is fine. Around. He just felt compelled to do it. He felt yeah. like a fucking, like he must have just felt like it was eating at him.
1: Oh yeah. Like I mean, and if you that. know anything about it, like his most famous book was Walden or life okay. in the woods. That's actually the name of it. Walden or life in the woods. Mm. Uh, and I have to read it. Today. Oh, it's, it's, it's a gem. Yeah, it's like philosophy and poetry and part um, uh, journal. Like it was just yeah. his, his descriptions of of his experience of basically living in this tiny little cabin by this lake by himself for like two years or something <laughs> like that, and like away from society. And this was like in the mid eighteen hundreds uh, in like New England. Uh, outside of the city and stuff, but like he gets into all of his things about, you know, he was very much, he didn't really belong within social constructs. Yeah, You know, like he was, he was kind of a, a very, a libertarian kind of a guy, you know, he was and pondered a lot of big ideas and about society and things like that. Right. So it kind of makes sense where it all ended up coming from. Yeah. As well as being an incredible naturalist. Like he just like he writes descriptions of walking through the woods and like had an intimate knowledge of the trees and the birds and the, you know, like it's, that's a read I definitely would enjoy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's uh, a seminal work, like in terms of if, if you, if the idea of somebody who talks about free thought and you know just freedom in general and questioning the role uh, or the role of society or how much we choose to play into society and stuff like that he It's definitely very apt right now. Yeah, <laughs> like you like read anything from him and and you'll just be astounded by the just the the not only the idealism, but I don't know. I'll have to, I, I want to reread it again for myself because <laughs> it's just, it's so good. It's, by the it's way, so history
2: good. has a way of repeating itself over and over again. Mm-hmm. The same things happen to the same people. Like what you, what you think you're struggling with, so many other people have gone through that.
0: That's why it's really great to read those autobiographies and biographies of people because you start to see, like, oh, this isn't much different than what was going on at this time. Yeah,
2: and regardless of, like, 200 years ago, someone could have had the same thoughts as me, the same struggles, the same,
0: you know, like... (laughs) Totally. And, you know, I think, like, whenever we make a judgment, like, when we, like, because I think, like, when stories are told, we're often, we identify with the hero of the story, but it... it's good to go like, how am I like the masses? How am I like all the people that I don't want to identify with? You know, because that's actually a lot more telling, you know, because when you can see yourself in the person you don't want to see yourself in, that's when you really start to gain some self-awareness because it's really easy to be like, to look at the hero and be like, oh yeah, I really relate to the hero you know what I mean? But like, yeah, that's a small fraction of our life. You know what I mean? Like we maybe do relate to that person, but there's a lot of time where, you know, um, like, like, you know, and that whole thing about self-awareness is like, I think that's the hardest thing about society for people who are kind of a little bit aware. It's really hard for them to even understand people who aren't because you look at people and you go, man, you guys are just like totally being fooled, but they're like, you know, no, no, just, no, we're right, we're right You know, I, I mean? just
1: started thinking of that scene in Sausage Party Where the mustard ends up getting returned <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, he's come back Don't get out of it, away from <laughs> <over laughs> me You know,
1: he's just like <laughs> <laughs> <very embarrassing.
0: laughs>
2: But, you know, that whole awareness thing is funny Have you ever heard, have you ever seen the, the It's like a 30 second clip of, you know, John Cleese Obviously you know John Cleese, no faulty Towers Oh yeah, yeah no, yeah. I know John okay, Cleese, okay, yeah <laughs> Uh, that was a stupid question <laughs> but anyway it's a 30 second clip of, uh, of John of John Cleese talking about stupid people mm. <laughs> he says that in order he said it's, it's, it's kind of ironic because in order to realize that you're stupid you have to have a greater level of intelligence so you have to be intelligent to know you're stupid which is why stupid people will never actually know they're stupid
0: <laughs> yeah totally well you know it's funny too like uh, and we have um, kind of a, a bit of a sociopathy epidemic going on too in our society and um if, if one of the tests of knowing if you're a sociopath or not is during this entire test, have you asked yourself, Am I a sociopath? And if you haven't, you might be. <laughs> that's Jesus. That's absolute Jesus. Yeah, no, totally. Because that's the thing a sociopath's gonna be like, Yeah, everybody else but me. But like, the, the empath is gonna be like, God. I've kind of no, done that. not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Holy shit. Shit. So halfway through the test, it's actually designed for you to be like, oh my God, like maybe I'm one, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> and then at the end, it's kind of like, by the way, if you're actually asking that of yourself, it's like a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably not a yeah. sociopath. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's interesting too, because like, I mean, I did a bunch of study on sociopathy because I feel, I'm pretty sure I dated one. <laughs> but, um, but afterwards, I was like, "What the fuck just happened to me?" And so I started researching on it to try and understand more of how it actually works. And 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 what I started to uncover was that, like, it's a hard thing to even call someone a sociopath in certain ways because there's we we all have some sociopathic tendencies in our society. Mm. But it's but like some people like an empathy is not something that is uh it's something that's built but like self-awareness it's built right and so like when you're kind of stupid and un- unaware of self you you're you're literally like it's like the matrix you know you're like literally in this cog but you experience it as though you're it's weird as you're, though you you're free yeah yeah but yeah you have all the pains of being like a prisoner but you, ex- yeah. you, but you fight for it. You will fight to be a prisoner. You're like, no, I will not leave my cell. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, there's okay.
1: a, <laughs> um, can, a Canadian writer, Douglas Copeland. Uh, it was funny. I just recently was flipping through a book. I was getting, <laughs> getting my, a suit fitting done as I was <laughs> waiting. There was this book and I was flipping through. and there's all these quotes from him and he's kind of a very interesting mind. And there was this one quote that said, um, in the future we'll all be shopping from jail cells.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. And we will be, we literally will. I mean, and it's so funny because like people will be in their house. Like I had this experience when I kind of cocooned there for a bit, when I kind of developed a routine and I would basically my day would go like this, wake up, go to the cafe, right. For X amount of hours, have some breakfast, come home. Um, you know, and I just had this like set routine. I don't need to take you guys through it all, but it was the same, almost like it just started to become the same. And I remember us telling Evan at one point, I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. It's like, I'm literally like a prisoner. I've created my own jail here. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was like, I got to do anything I can right now to break the routine because it's, it's actually like, we have fear of like going to prison and stuff like that. But like prisoners don't want to leave a lot of the time because it's so comfortable. Your meals are taken care of, you, you know, like you built a certain community, you have a certain kind of lifestyle. I mean, yeah, like there's the prison rape, but <laughs> no, but no. Yeah, no, no. I like part. how you tried to like poke that a little no, 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 bit. It's no, no, no. like le- lessen the blow small, of the it. small, small factor. Of like, it. There's, um, there's like the lifetime criminal where you start doing it long enough and you actually don't want to leave prison. You'd actually rather be there than be out because prison is set up with such an inertia of an yeah. environment. I mean, but in, in yeah. a lot of ways we s- will set up our environments like that where we just avoid um, discomforts. And then we just kind of create this um, very routine life. And then all of a sudden, it's like, things just catch up with you. Because once everything starts looking the same, like, here's a question. Once everything starts looking the same, like from day to day to day, how do you remember the days apart? And then if you can't remember the days apart, how do you tell that time has passed? The only way you can tell that time has passed is when you start recognizing the loss of the routine that's run. Yeah. Like it's literally, it becomes a day that has run for a year and then a Mm -hmm. year that has run for a decade. Yeah. And then pretty soon you look back and you go, that whole decade was really one day. And like, that's time. That's the crazy thing we don't realize about when we create this prisoner, like you, you, you can turn a day or you can turn an hour into a, into, into a decade by, by just creating a mindless existence right yeah Yeah. the
2: thing is though i have been told over and over and over again by a lot of people that if you want to actually get somewhere you have to have a routine yeah
0: Uh, well that's the that's the kind
2: of yeah that's like and that scares the shit out of me man that actually scares the shit out of me like routine that even that fucking word scares the shit out of me you know like i like to get up at different times in the morning (laughs) I like to, I like, ideally I don't set my alarm and I yeah. just kind of wake off.
0: Well, and I, th- I think there's like, I think there's a value to consistency, but you got to look at it, like, look at it from, I, the way I look at it is like survival, thrival, right? There's certain things that you need to do. Like if you, you know, there's certain things that are consistently do them, they'll be good for your life. But then there's another part of it, which is like, how much of my day do I have to dedicate to the autopilot of survival? And how much can I start to have manual, which is thrival? Like when I'm actually making conscious choices towards what I feel will advance my life. And then can you take your routine and make that a conscious choice? Like these things that you do on a routine basis, like for example, I'll I'll still get up and write in the morning, but it's important that I write mindfully knowing that I'm choosing to write. And I'm doing yeah. this and though I could do anything else but write, but I'm going to choose to write anyway. It's like, it sounds so silly, but that internal choice makes like a whole life of difference. Oh like, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, like the, yeah. You can it's do bit, the exact same thing, but the way you do it, the why you do it is so important.
1: And the thing is, it's like the routine, like you create, you're the one who creates your routines, Yeah, you know, and you create yeah. your routines again, based on, an experience that you want to have, you know, like of, of, of a person that you want to be, you know, and, and ideally it's like, you know, you're doing these things, not because you're like, Oh, I'm doing this. Cause I, I think I should, yeah. but because it's like, no, I want to do these I
2: things. You are doing it because you want to, you want to get somewhere. Do you want? Yeah. yeah.
1: And the thing is, is that you can change your routine at any, yeah. at any time. You don't have to, you don't have to continue on the same routine as, yeah. as you keep going. Like you, you hit a point because changes is, is inevitable, you know, like this is kind of how we grow. Like we kind of, we, we hit the one thing and we, we get into the space and maybe we create a routine yeah. of it. We, we work at it. Mm-hmm. And then part of that routine just doesn't quite work anymore. Right. It doesn't quite yeah. come together. And is this the beer that you brought last time? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Fantastic. fantastic. I cannot believe that's still there. Um, <laughs> but there's no way that would be
2: nice in my
0: fridge. Yeah. Well, I thought about drinking it, <laughs> and then going. I felt bad. Because <laughs> I like, the Irish guy's going to want to drink more. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Irish guy.
1: But, um, do you prefer Mark, or do you prefer Milky? I prefer... Uh, Milky's good. I like it. <laughs> well, Milky, <laughs> let me ask you this. Go on. Cheers if you had an art project and you had all the time and all the resources to commit to it, what would you do right now? What would I do? Yeah. What, like, is there, is if there, is there some thing. sort of a project that like you would just love to, to create? I'd like to make an animated short for sure.
2: Um, do you have any idea what that would be about? Maybe, I I have a few a few things in yeah in mind, but like the the big thing for me is you just said if you had every resource and every opportunity to do it, uh, like the big thing for me is I'm like kind of scared of not having money to do it, you know? Yeah. So if I had every, I haven't really thought of that actually. I haven't really thought if I like, just somebody handed me like twenty grand and said, "Here's twenty grand." Just chill out and do your animation. I don't. I haven't really thought about what exactly I would do, but I would figure something out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not really a good answer, but I. Uh, yeah, like I'd like to do an animated short, yeah, of some, of some sort. And I'd like to collaborate with a few people. Like I know we had a. I know we had Sam on a while ago, Sam Davidson. Mm-hmm. Sam said to me numerous times that he'd love to do a, He'd love to do some kind of soundtrack for a short for me. Yeah, like he's big big time into it. He said he'd love to do it um so that's one thing i would definitely do i'd hit sam off straight away yeah that guy's a talented musician <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, it's a good
1: question though like i've never really thought of it no i was just asking it like because like sometimes i find that there's like i have things that like these little ideas these concepts these creations that i'm like oh that would be really great that would be a really great project to do Right, and it's just like, I, just I, like yeah. nagging, like sometimes kind of nagging in the back of my mind. It's like, oh yeah. One thing for me though is like, animations are always traditionally like really funny, you know?
2: Yeah, but if if I was making one, man, I, I don't know how funny it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to hit social
1: issues more than I. Uh, I think that there's I like, I like more there's room, a message. I think there's like, more room for that than than like ever yeah absolutely i think that there is in fact sometimes animation can be a better way of accessing to people our guards down a little bit with animation that's why south park has been able to get away yeah. with the things that like if you turn south park into a live action i don't know if it would work hmm. the fact that if, it's uh, it's an animation definitely it yeah. gets away with everything it yeah can they can do anything like yeah. animation can get away with just about anything I've seen some Pixar
0: shorts, too, that are... You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not funny at all. I mean, yeah, they're like, that's super true. emo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, who hasn't cried during a Pixar movie at some point? Fucking... You the, fir- know, the first... The so first five minutes <laughs> <of that> Up... <laughs> first
0: oh man like that's that's incredible
2: yeah there's not one word spoken that's the coolest thing about it oh yeah it's just music and actions that's it
0: yeah you know what that's that's mastery of basically what i talk about in uh storytelling which is patterning filtering and framing like that's basically what they do they they create a pattern they get you to they get you to filter for and they frame something a certain way and they get you to filter for it and then what they do is they just once they have set that in motion they just take the train and they sideswipe it. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) why are you doing this to me? It breaks breaks a pattern that you, that you, that they knew we want. We want to see that pattern completed or created forever. We never want it to end. And then the moment you take it away, it's over. I was watching this movie last night. It doesn't really make any sense to me in the most part. I don't think I understand it. I actually, honestly, I was thinking about it all day and I'm like, I think that the filmmakers literally took like every movie and they were like, Let's just put every movie together and see if anyone notices. It's like Inception, uh, Finding Ben or or the curious case of Benjamin (laughs) Biden.
1: Finding Benjamin. Finding Nemo.
0: Finding Nemo. The guy's name is Nemo, like in the whole time he's trying to find like it's just like everything is like like the Matrix. Everything like watch Mr. Nobody and you'll see every movie ever, like just put into this one movie. Even the Truman show at one point. You're like how did you guys cram everything into one movie? Weird. It's very weird. But, um, I had a point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this movie. It was something about, um... Ah, oh, shit. What were you we just talking There's about?
1: There's Benjamin Button was one of the first movies it was what I was saying. It was
0: what you were saying. Uh, it was about, um... Oh, man.
1: Was it was about humor and... Oh, Get, well, getting uh, away with anything and, uh, oh,
0: man, I had a, po- Oh no. Okay. That's what it was about. The, the pattern, the, the, the pattern. Story, right? right. Anyway. So there's this one love story in it and I was trying to tell Evan, but it sounds super weird when you <laughs> say it out loud, but it makes it <laughs> I don't so one thing is. that actually makes sense of the story. Oddly enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's basically as a kid, there's like, there's like a plot line because there's many plot lines that are going on, but there's a plot line where his mom, like left his, left her, left his dad for another man. And he met a girl and he meets this girl and kind of like, they have an instant chemistry. And then he finds out that the man and his mom, that's her daughter. And you know, so they're now all of a sudden they're brother and sister, Yeah. but they're like in love. And this, it's a really weird little plot line, but you, you, the way they designed it was like masterful because you, you totally like it's like Romeo and Juliet. It's like the, the whole epitome of like what love, you know, is at least in our culture. And you get really enrolled in this idea and you really just want them to work out, you know, but the way the story's going, it's like going in all these different paths all the time. Mm-hmm. So, but it's really interesting how they did it. And I was like, and they really, and, and it's like they knew that because they kept playing it throughout the entire story. It was really interesting, but like I think like what I, what I, my point was just you can watch that movie to get what I'm saying. But yeah. with your movie, it doesn't really matter if it's funny or not funny. It's this can you connect to a pattern that people really want to yeah really want to embrace, and you can do anything you want really? Because like I, I had someone recommend this movie, Mister Nobody, to me, and I and they were like, "It's so good, you got to see it." You know what I mean? Kind of <laughs> idea. And when I saw it. I'm like, "What the hell did I just watch?" <laughs> but it really connected with them. But when I walked away from it, I'm like. I'm just so glad I saw it simply at least not just for some of the cool visuals, but for this one plot line to me made the whole thing worth it. Mm. Cause it was really, I felt like, and the actors are brilliant that the woman, I don't remember her name who plays the part. She's, she's top notch in this movie. Yeah. 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 Really, truly. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I I just think that, uh, I think that you just got to connect to some, something truthful that, you know, other people need to hear. I
2: I find, I find whenever, um, I'd say I'm not a writer I actually I actually am I think I'm pretty okay at writing but I, I'm not I've never tried I've never described myself as a writer
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I think I'm pretty okay at it um, but I you're and so, a storyteller of sorts <laughs> a little bit yeah a little bit uh, but anytime I do have an animated short idea it's weird it's weird man. it's always something related to something that's happened to me in some way shape or form Well, that's I, and I just want I, I don't know yeah and I find it hard to get away from that. So my imagination is kind of limited in some respects to stuff, to my own
1: experiences. But sometimes you can write something completely seemingly off base and discover yourself, like, injected in it in ways yeah. that you didn't even understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you find
2: out more now, you know, when you develop characters and you're like, oh, man, there's a little bit of me in this character or something.
0: Way more than you, you know. know. We had a podcast one time with Thalia, and uh, I just realized as we had our talk, because there's a script that I wrote, The Burning Blues, and um, I just realized the whole story was just my life, but just played out as <laughs> like it was an undercover cop. But it was all <laughs> my life, it was everything that was going on in my life. Yeah. This tumultuous relationship I had with the person I was dating that was like, had a soon to end for sure. That was him and his wife. Um, this little kid he had who like, he, you know, he just felt like, I mean, that was another parallel in my life. This, this person, this, this thing that he loved that he couldn't be around, um, facing the adversity of like, I had certain friendships that I didn't feel were real friendships. He was, he was undercover in this gang where he was around people he he didn't feel was real. There's the corruption going on, you know, um, There was a corruption going on with a project I was doing at the same time. It was just everything <laughs> is just was my life. You could literally take a reflection and you could see it. And it was like and that I remember in that moment on that podcast, I was like, I didn't realize how much it was actually my it took,
1: life. like it was like all these themes,
0: yeah, from your and, life, and all these so consciously dramatic situations, subconsciously, totally. What
2: the hell are you even thinking? It was like going off the paper. What's so crazy
0: else. is like also is like. I must've like, cause I remember getting like, where did the inspiration even come from? That's another interesting thing because the inspiration came from, I wanted to tell an undercover cop story, but it all started, the the thing that actually got me was this divorce. He was a, he was a guy who was trying to do this thing that was really hard. And, and the, and the person he loved the most was like, it wasn't working and he couldn't, he was having a tough time, like choosing between the thing he loved and this relationship he wanted to keep together. And like, it that that was probably already happening in my life when I started to come up with this so like who even knows where inspiration comes from you know what I mean like yeah. it was actually probably all just a parallel too which is just funny because you look back in hindsight it's so obvious in a way but yeah at the time you're just like I don't know I just want to make an undercover <laughs> <story."> yeah
2: <laughs> it's much more deep than that yeah. <laughs> it's always much more deep than that
0: yeah
2: oh my god yeah so. that beer's going that well <laughs>
3: what
0: do you think of this one we did another
2: oh this yeah it's still good too well this is Saison that's the one we had last time
0: yeah I didn't even know it was <laughs> it's pretty good category 12 brewing
1: from uh, the island
0: yeah from the island are they a craft brewery?
1: I don't know huh. I, they've got to be probably yeah. Well, a
0: little sub mention for you guys <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah they got to be <laughs>
2: Yeah, they're not Miller High Life. <laughs> 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 but uh, actually, it's funny. The, one of the best ads I ever watched is a Miller ad. Yeah. And, uh, you know the way their tagline is genuinely easy. Um, the, no, this isn't dirty. Like I know you're expecting some dirty to come on. No no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but their tagline is genuinely easy. And uh, this this whole thing is like hey, this guy leaves a house party and he hops on his bike and then he goes downhill and then grabs a six pack of Miller. And hops on the bike again and keeps going downhill and he's back at his house, like his house is always down. It's, the highway. Yeah, it was <laughs> like no, it's just genuinely easy. It's such a cool ad because yeah. when he goes back down from the store, it's like like his trip to the store were reversed all the way down, and he just hops off and he's back in.
1: That's awesome. It was, yeah, it was really good, really simply I, made. I did a I, Miller commercial once upon a time. No way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was just like I was just doing background on it. And it was actually for, like, Europe. It wasn't a North American commercial. It was, like, Miller was trying to, like, get <laughs> into, like, the European market. And, yeah, it was, like, insane. Like, there was all these different locations and sets. It was all filmed in Vancouver here. And, like, we were in clubs and stuff. and People were dancing. And then we were out by, like this rooftop fountain and there was like this fire spinner and stuff like that. It was nuts. Wow, It was crazy. Beer commercials are hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just like, cause I'm thinking to myself cause my dad has like taught entrepreneurship and stuff and like yeah. one of his favorite things to teach is marketing. And he loves, you know, teaching people like, like changing people's perspective of what marketing is. And so he, and he always brings up beer like beer ads for it, and he's yeah. just like, "It's like okay, so like, what does like what does Budweiser sell, right?" And people are like, I'm "Like, oh, they sell beer, you know, like this, whatever." And my dad's <laughs> like, "No, they don't sell beer, <laughs> you know, like that's not really what they sell you." you know like okay he's like so what does like Stella Artois sell and people are like what because by this point they're like I don't know I don't want to say beer because he told me Budweiser doesn't (laughs) sell beer right and he's like no 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 they sell you an image they sell you the Budweiser the Budweiser guy is different from the Stella Artois guy yeah right like huge difference between the those two beer drinkers right like we it's can, a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a complete lifestyle that they're selling you instead. So yeah. I was on this like on set doing this commercial and I'm like, what the fuck are they trying to like what kind of lifestyle is this? Like I don't yeah. understand what's going on. Okay, the club, I guess, but then there's this weird fire yeah. toilet It's like it's like, oh yeah. That's uh, what Europeans uh, are like. Yeah. <laughs> Live the exciting life. <laughs> Where are t- Crazy shit just happens, (laughs) like fire twirlers on a night out.
0: That's funny because like Frosted Flakes right now is really pushing like everything is around like football, like guys cheering football and the other guy has to go outside like, like and like or keep growing the beard or do whatever to keep the football team winning. So they must be really marketing to like football fans. Uh, Yeah,
1: well, Super Bowl's coming up here, so look forward to
0: yeah. So. well, well, okay. So I guess we're wrapping
1: it up. Yeah, let's yeah. wrap
0: this That's up, feel. <laughs> Um Okay, so well, what did we learn? It's, it's the it's the double time now, and we did we okay. a long one again too. <laughs> did we? Yeah, it's a good like hour and forty, I think. Oh, okay. Um, hour and fifty.
2: All right. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I Evan's question actually made me made me think there. You're the question like ten minutes ago. If I if I had money to just like sit back and do it, I. I need to start really really considering what I want to do like what I'm going to do because uh, if you just handed me 20 grand now I wouldn't have a clue I'd be like oh that's great
3: and then and then I'd
2: sit, there, and then I'd sit down and be like me, what man. am I actually doing here like what what am I doing <laughs> yeah that was a very good, very good question man yeah um,
1: yeah like kind of lose my way a little bit I need to get back on track a little bit and sometimes yeah. that happens I think yeah. that's part of what this discussion was about you know like sometimes we we kind of go a little off track or we, you know, like we, we become focused on some other things, you know, like we, we feel the need to meet some of our other needs, I think. Um, but eventually I think, and this is like kind of continuing from the first conversation we had, I think all of this shit comes around, Mm -hmm. like no matter how much you, you might try and ignore it and distract yourself and like bury yourself in other things there's this lingering feeling of a passion that you haven't lived yet,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. you
1: know, or a passion that you've been ignoring. And, you know, I think it's, you know, to start ask ourse- asking ourselves these questions now to start looking at these things now to see how we can start making, making small steps, you know, like they don't have to be like the grandest things, you know, like the, as I heard Dan Millman once say (laughs) in an actual talk, he gave, he said, the smallest of actions is better than the grandest of intentions.
3: Mm.
1: Right. And it's like, we can, and we can begin somewhere, you know, with some small thing that might not even feel like it's anything, but it's movement. Um, and, and it's not about, you know, beating the shit out of yourself about this, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a slap in the face, but a warm bath, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not going to get over it. I think no. that book's going to have to be written. Yeah, down. it's going to have to be. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's about like, you know, getting, but giving yourself a bit of a wake up call and saying like, okay, well, you know, I've taken, maybe it was necessary for me to take this break to really understand what this means to me. Mm. Right. And to not necessarily make it painful on yourself, because I don't think that, that that's yeah. helpful either. Um, Man, after yeah.
2: after the last talk, like on Sunday, I uh, I went away and I started a drawing straight away. <laughs> really, <laughs> I actually nice. did, yeah. And it's uh, it's based on, uh, on a poem called Invictus. Do you know, have you ever heard of the poem Invictus? I've heard
0: it, but I never.
2: Um, it. Yeah, it's oh, it's a fucking excellent poem. But the whole the whole the the poem is about uh, is about uh you being the master of your own fate, basically. Like the last two lines so the 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 drawing is not it's like snoring nowhere near complete but it's sketched out. Um and it's the first drawing I've done in a year as well. So like wow. I just honestly man on Sunday like on Monday Monday evening I started. Uh so it's this guy with a he's got like a he's got a wolf like uh overcoat or something over his face. All he can see is his mouth and his knuckles are out like that and there's a tattoo on his knuckles and the last line the last two lines of the poem is um, I'm the master what is it? I'm the master of my fate I'm the captain of my soul they're the last two lines of the poem and that's what's, that's what's tattooed on his, on his knuckles nice. I don't know after, after talking to you the other day I was
1: like fuck I'm gonna just like." that's great Yeah, we'll send you an invoice in. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah.
2: Yeah, no, honestly it's a fucking like sometimes you get a kick in the ass, like you do, like a yeah, warm slap in the face.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah warm, slap. warm slap.
2: It wasn't really warm slap in the face. Slap in the face and a
0: warm bath. a warm bath. That's it. Slap in the face and a warm bath. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I've 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 had a few people write me, and I know I Evans had a few people write them, but just about how these podcasts are inspiring them and helping them through, like if they're in a funk or whatever. And I think that's really amazing because. I mean, to know that we're having an impact in the world, you know, even with our guests and and our audiences like I think what makes all of this worthwhile.
2: Yeah, man, I've I've enjoyed it so much. Like yeah. well, we <laughs> immensely. You, it's great.
0: <laughs> we brought you back immediately. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it yeah, really so, it really is interesting to talk to guys that are passionate about what they do. Big time.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um
1: Yeah. yeah and I mean, for Brand, what do you get? Well, yeah. You close this off, brother. All right, I'll close this baby off
0: uh, let's see here i mean what what i what I'm kind of realizing more right now is like you know there's like i'm just this this talk i mean it's been it's such a big talk if you put it all together, but it's like there's these um times in your life that are not they're they're new and they're transitions and they're they're something else entirely. And they might not look the way that you thought they were going to look. They might not, um, they might just be this whole new experience. And I think the thing is, is that you kind of got to embrace wherever you're at. And I think, and then, and work with it and create from it and do your best and, and not allow the, um, pressures of the outside world to make whatever transition spot you're in wrong, you know, like, there was a period of time in my life where, and this was, you know, just recently where I was like, I really felt like I fucked a lot up. I just felt like it was, but now I look back and like, it was so necessary. It's exactly what I needed. But like, at the time I was like, man, like, I just feel like my whole world is falling apart right now. And I just feel like a total, I feel like a fuck up and I feel like a, you know, whatever. And, and I look back now and I'm like, it couldn't have been any other way. And I think the the only thing that I can really take from that and share, at least in this moment is to just say like those moments, even when you're seem so, so far off track, just know where you want to go. You might be way out, way out there. You know, you're just like, I don't know how I'll ever get back, but just like keep on the target of like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it, whatever and and it'll help. And I think also in the, in the other thing too, is sometimes you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do certain things. Like one of the things I'm doing right now is you're making more money, but I'm also paying for the guy I used to be. I'm paying back his debts. I'm paying back his stuff. And uh, I was sharing with Evan earlier today. I used to beat myself up. I was beating myself up for that for a long time. I was like, fuck, like if only I just knew better, if only I didn't get that debt, I'd be so much freer. I could do so much more. And I thought, what if that guy, and I'm not saying this is what was going to happen, but what if that guy back then was going to like do himself in, he was going to commit suicide. And I knew that today I could go back in time and give him some money, help him out, encourage him, whatever it took today. I, I had to lose resources I have today, but I could give them to him then knowing it would help him survive in this case, money. Would I do it? And I go, of course I would. Cause it, cause he got me here. I have to be thankful to that guy, but that guy was not who I am today. Who I am today is way more wise and and knowledgeable and experienced and and has worked out a lot more shit than that guy had worked out. And he was going through some tough times. So I just look at him and I go, whatever transition stage you're in, it's kind of like what you said in six months from now, or six years from now, or whatever it might be, will this even matter? And like, if I, could know, if I could have known in that moment I would be where I am today, it wouldn't have been such a big deal. But I think maybe in, in, in the future, I can go whatever hardships I face today, I can trust that I'm actually going to be better when I come through this and not make this thing that I'm going through so wrong. And, and the whole title of this is the, you know, transition stages of an evolving artist. And what's the goal here is to evolve. And we must go through these stages we just must. It's yeah. just, it's a rite of passage. It's part of the journey. There's no, you don't just get to like fast forward and skip, skip through the valleys of your life. You got to walk through the valleys just as you climb the mountains, you know? And, um, that's kind of what I've realized in this roundabout way through all we're <laughs> discussing and, and drinking beer.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming back on Mark. No problem. Yeah,
0: man. Thanks, for, a pleasure. thanks for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.